I want to kick off this morning our Christmas series. I love Christmas. How many of you just like Christmas, right? Right? How many Scrooges are there in here? Just be honest. Like, oh, whoa, don't point at anybody. That was, whoo, I felt the heat. Okay, it's all right. We'll talk later. It's fine. Christmas, you know, and, and I'll just be honest. There have been seasons, years where Christmas didn't feel that great. You know, sometimes we go through that. There, there are times that life just gets to be a little bit messy. And, and, you know, I've been through that myself where it was like, hey, it's Christmas, great. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm not bah humbugging it, but I'm not really that excited about it either. But I'm excited. I'm really excited for Christmas this year, and especially just thinking about the gifts of Christmas and what God has given us through this gift of Christmas. And, and you know, I think about this because, you know, one of the things that we talk about here at Family Life Church is how God gives of himself to us, and then we give back to him. And I was kind of thinking about this this morning that, you know, when we look at the fact that God gave his one and only son for us, think about that for a second. Like, imagine if your Bible read, God had 157 sons, and one of them came to save the world. Wouldn't that feel a little less special, right? Or, or even if it was like he had seven sons, but he gave one of them to come, or if it was like two sons. But here's what the Bible tells us, that God only had one, one son, and he gave all of that for you. He gave his son for you. What an incredible gift that God has given to us. And, and then so we get the opportunity to give back to God, right? We give back our tithes and offerings. We do those things through our volunteering time, through the ways in which we love on each other and encourage each other. We, we get the chance to do that, and it's awesome. But think about the fact of what Jesus has given us, this incredible gift. But there are a couple things I wanted to look at uh, over the next couple weeks that are, are what I consider gifts about Christmas that God has given to us. And this week, I want to talk to you about what I call the change-up. How many baseball fans in here? A couple of baseball fans in here? So if, and, and again, I'm, I'm almost sad this is being recorded and online because I have an ongoing uh, feud with my dad and my brother who are huge baseball fans that I think baseball is the dumbest sport there is. I'm sorry. Okay, just take it easy. Here's my reasoning. Okay, just listen, please. The most exciting thing that can happen in baseball is when nothing happens. And they call it a shutout, a pitcher's duel. And they're super excited that for nine straight innings, no one got a hit. And everybody's on the edge of their seat. And I'm like, ah, I need, my ADD mind needs more. But listen, in baseball, here is something very interesting. A major league baseball player, when he's up to bat, has one quarter of a second to figure out the kind of pitch that's coming towards him. And a half a second after that, the ball's going to be right on top of him, and he's got to swing and make that hit. In, in three quarters of a second, that ball that's moving at 95 miles an hour is going to be right on top of him, and he's got to swing and hit it and connect. And that's why I'm not a baseball player, because I could not do that to save my life. So there's a lot of different pitches that, that they have, but one of the great things that pitchers use in their arsenal is called a changeup. And what a changeup is, is it's a pitch that when it's coming out from the pitcher's hand almost looks like a fastball, but it's moving much slower. So the guy up at the plate is all like, he just had two fastballs go past him. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to miss this one. I'm not. And this next pitch comes and he swings so quickly and the ball's not even there yet. It's pretty embarrassing. 
But this change-up is really what I think of when I look at this Christmas season because we get to experience a change-up in our pace, the way that we live, the way that we love, the way that we show gratitude and mercy and kindness and our friendships and everything that we do. In fact, I compiled a list of things that to me, it's like, hey, it must be Christmas because of this. And here's my list, all right? Number one, there are free shopping carts in the stall at Aldi. Praise Jesus, it must be Christmas. Generosity is abounding. And you don't even need to remember your own quarter. Somebody else has got you covered. Number two, a stranger pays for your Dunkin' order. This does not happen at Starbucks, okay? (laughs) Dunkin' only. In fact, several months ago, I was in the line at Dunkin' and somebody in front of me paid for my order. I'm just gonna be honest. This was my very first reaction before telling the lady I'll pay for the next car I shot in the rearview mirror. I was like, ooh, what kind of car is that? How many people? Oh, I, th- I think it's just one. I'll pay two. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass that on. <laughs> like you see like a van full of nine kids be like, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Suckers. Number three, I'm treating cookies like they're a staple of my diet. Must be Christmas. And number four, I'm searching for a funny gift that costs under $10. I had a party at work. When does that happen? I'm, bring- I'm being nice to people I normally can't stand. It must be Christmas. I'm trying to remember what my spouse and kids like. That's amazing. We can't figure that out. I'm wearing clothes that are ridiculous. Why, why the ugly sweater thing? I just, like, I just want to be, like, you do realize that this started with people who didn't realize their sweaters were ugly, <laughs> right? They really thought they were nice sweaters, like, and they're, like, all excited, and we were just, like, chuckling in the corner, and we're, like, <laughs> we should all wear the ugliest sweaters we can find to make fun of Aunt Bertha. And it turned into a thing. Number nine, there's a tree in my house and lights in my yard. I saw a meme this week that was a picture of a dog and he's sitting in the living room looking at the tree and the the caption said, I bring one stick in the house and they freak out. She puts up a tree and they all clap. (laughs) What is going on? Number 10, I'm sending cards to people I haven't heard from in years, getting cards from people I haven't heard from in years. Listen, Christmas is just different. We just do things a little differently at Christmas. And, and as I, I want to, over the next couple of weeks, focus on this reality, that Christmas is kind of like a little spotlight into how God really is asking us to live year-round. It's not just meant to be the way that we live at Christmas. You know, at Christmas, we're like way more generous, right? We're buying gifts for everybody we know, and we're not, you know, we, we, we pretend to set a budget for each of the kids, but then that budget somehow doesn't seem to hold. I don't know what happens. But, we're, you know, we're, we're being kind to people, and we're giving forgiveness, and all of our Christmas movies are about this idea, oh, so-and-so finds love, and so-and-so has forgiveness, and this family's put back together, and, and all of these things that we're looking for that are exciting to us, but the reality is that God says, no, this is supposed to be a part of everyday life. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, this is supposed to be a part of everyday life, that we shouldn't live this way just in December but that we could be the same person in March, April, May, August, September, November, all year round, living with the same kind of love, mercy, kindness, and generosity that we experience at Christmas time. But I wanted to take a look in Luke chapter 2 because here's the reality. I've talked to a number of pastors about this. We always look for a way to make the Christmas story a little more interesting, but the reality is when you look at it, it's pretty interesting. 
It's pretty amazing when you stop to think. You know, for us, we get excited about the cross and the empty tomb, and we're saved because of what Jesus did. This is the beginning of that story. There is no cross without Christmas. There is no empty tomb without Christmas. And this is a part of it. And so I want to look at this over the next couple weeks, and I wanted to look today at a couple of guys who were just minding their own business and living their best life. Completely clueless that this day was not going to be like every other day had been. And this takes place on the night that Jesus was born. And so in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, we see this. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Give me your best shriek, like, (laughs) that was terrible, okay. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, for I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. How many of you have ever been at work one day and suddenly a group of angels showed up and started singing? How many of you look at the people you work with and you're like, they're not angels? (laughs) We'll talk about that later. Here's a normal day, right? These guys just got up, they went to work, they're thinking to themselves, hey, it's another day out in the sheep field, sheep stink, they do all kinds of weird things. I I was amazed I got the chance to go to Romania a few years ago, and and this missionary that I was working with, the building that we were in, there was no running water. So my first chore on my first day was go get water. I'm like, I've got this. There's a spring in town, and I walk over to the spring, and I'm in line because ahead of me is sheep. They're at the same spring, they're getting their water, and all of a sudden the shepherd just turns and walks away, and he makes this noise, and every sheep there just turns and follows him. He just walked off. I was like, man, I wish my kids would do that. It's amazing. (laughs) See, nothing. (laughs) Then I had to be next in line after a cow. This, this spring was a pipe that came out of the wall, like a one-inch pipe, and this cow went up to this pipe, put its entire mouth on the pipe, and for two straight minutes went, boom, boom, boom. I mean, I just stood there in amazement. I'm like, this cow is going to explode. <laughs> cow got done. I let the water run for half a minute, and I was like, okay, I'll get my water now. Listen, this is a normal day for these guys, just shepherds. Falling out to their sheep, taking care of their sheep, leading their sheep, caring for them in every way that they're supposed to. It's just a normal day. In fact, when we read about the the promise of Jesus coming, the Messiah coming, this is a promise that has been going on for hundreds of years. The the, the prophet Jeremiah has been talking about the Messiah all the way back into like 700 BC, okay? And we're at this place where it's kind of old news, You know, we might equate it within our thinking about the second coming of Jesus. We know that the Bible tells us that someday Jesus is going to return for his church and we're going to be called home to be with him together. But the reality for us is that the longer that goes on, it it almost begins to feel like a myth or it's never going to happen or it won't happen in our lifetime. This is where these guys were at. 
And then suddenly, out of nowhere, angels appear to them and they're like, listen, that thing that you've been hearing about that that Israel has talked about for hundreds of years, it's happening right now. And it just changed everything. It changed everything for these guys. In fact, Christ or Christmas changes our lives. When Jesus comes on the scene, it changes our lives. Why? Because Christ changes lives. Jesus in us is different than we are. How many of you are grateful that you're not the same person in Jesus that you were without Jesus? Right? In fact, if you've been following Jesus for any period of time in your life, there's a good chance you can look back on your path and you're like, you know what? I know where I am today, but I sometimes can't even fathom where I would have been had I not chosen to follow Jesus. I don't even know. I might not even be living. I might be in jail. I might be broken. Any, any number of things. But Jesus changed my life. Christmas changes our lives. And it's part of this gift. This gift of reality that we, in the midst of our normal, everyday lives, God just hands us something and says, listen, this is meant to change you forever. This is meant to change your life forever. And when we receive Jesus and the gift that he is to us, it changes us forever. We'll never be the same. The response for these guys, we read in verse 15, it says that when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord told us about. You know, it may have been an ordinary day, but when Jesus came on the scene, it completely changed their plans because Christmas changes our plans, right? I don't know. I've been looking at my calendar over the next three weeks. I got Christmas concerts to go to for band and chorus and I got parties to go to and we're working on our Christmas stuff for here at the church and and it's like everything in our normal everyday lives is just kind of thrown all over the place but this is what these guys experienced you know they're met with this fork in the road idea that has to come to them listen we've just experienced something amazing do we stay here with the sheep or do we go tell somebody Do we stay and continue on the path that we've been on? Do we continue to do and be what we've always done and always been? Or do we make a decision to go do and be something different? And what's really awesome is this reality that they just dropped it all and they went to find Jesus. As this is part of what it means to have relationship with Jesus is that in the midst of all of our busyness, we've got to find a way to drop everything else that's trying to get our time, our attention, our resources, everything, and just say, you know what, I want to go and I want to pursue relationship with Jesus. This gift, it changes us. It changes our plans. I don't know about you, but when I was in high school and dreaming about who I was going to be on the precipice of turning 40 years old, which I cannot believe I'm so old. This is not where I... I didn't see myself living in western Pennsylvania I didn't see any of those things. God had a plan for my life. God has a plan for your life. And as you learn to follow God's plan, you'll realize that he changes your plan. We've talked about this so many times that the currency for God's plan is giving him yours. The currency for what God wants to do in your life, the blessings he wants to pour out, the cost is your plan. Here it is, God, take my plan, what I was going to do, what I was going to become, where I was going to go. You can have it and give me your plan, your direction, your will for my life. I'll give you that in exchange. That's part of it, and that's what these guys experienced. 
But then here's their response when they get there. When they hurried to the village, they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby. Everybody say, aw, yeah, this is so cute, until they poop. There was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Worship team, if you could get into place. We're going to get ready to close in just a few moments here. They saw the baby and they responded in this way. They went and told everybody they knew about Jesus. I was kind of contemplating this and and thinking through, you know, we see at the end of Jesus' life, his final words that we read in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. He says, go into all the world and make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'll be with you always. He gives what we call the Great Commission. And he sends his disciples to go all over the world and tell people about him. These shepherds are the very first evangelists for Jesus in history. The very first. Shepherds who were just minding their own business just went to work one day. Work that was like every other day in anything they'd ever done. And one day they encountered Jesus. And after having this encounter with Jesus, and and here for, for those of you who maybe have been here and maybe you haven't, I want to speak to both. But once you've encountered Jesus, here's the truth. You can't back. You just can't. Can you imagine seeing Jesus and they're like, angels appeared to us. We saw the entire armies of heaven in the sky praising God. We went into Bethlehem. We found the baby. We saw him. We experienced him. And then we just went back to work. We just went back to work. We just went back to our everyday lives. Listen, once you've had a true experience of Jesus, you can't go back. Life is different. Christmas changes our world. Christ changes our world. And if you've never had that experience, can I, can I just speak to that too for a moment? Sometimes we get a little hard on ourselves and wonder, why don't I think the way that I wish I would? Or why don't I do the things I wish I should? Why, why, why am I sometimes just bound and, and broken? And why, why am I going through these things? Listen, here's the reality. And I, I want to say this. Perhaps, just perhaps, you haven't yet experienced Jesus the way he was meant to be experienced. Because when we experience him for who he is, it changes our priorities. It changes everything about us. And listen, Christmas is that microcosm, that spotlight on this one month of the year where we look and we're like, oh man, we need to be more generous and forgiving and loving and merciful and kind and compassionate. And we're going to give of our time and we're going to bless people. And it's okay because we don't get the credit card bill until January and we'll worry about it then. But God says, I haven't called you to be generous and kind and merciful and forgiving and compassionate and all those other things just in the month of December. You're supposed to be that person every day, everywhere, with everyone. Because when I'm in your heart, when I'm in your life, it changes everything you see in the world around you. Church, I want to encourage you, you know, if you're in that place and maybe you're on the one side that says, I've encountered Jesus. I, I can't go back. I can't imagine going back to where I came from. I have to tell people about Jesus. Or maybe you're in the place that's like, nah, I don't know if this is even my thing yet. 
I'm not sure how I feel about this whole God thing. I'm not sure how I feel about this whole religion thing. Listen, don't beat yourself up. Pursue Jesus because once you've encountered him, nothing will ever be the same ever again. Nothing will be the same ever again. In a minute, we're going to take communion together. And communion is the remembrance of what Jesus has done for us, this gift of himself that, like I said earlier, God gave his one and only son. I got one son, and I love you guys, but I can't imagine giving my son for anybody else. He's mine. He's my legacy. I can't imagine giving him up for somebody else. Jesus did that for us. He said he loved us that much. I would give my one and only son for you. And this gift that he gave us was not so that we could say, hey, I'm part of a church. It's not so that we could just be a part of outreaches or anything else. It was so that we could have relationship with God and be transformed, different And it's one of the greatest gifts we'll ever ever receive for Christmas. And I hope you receive it this year. Can I ask our...